Thank you, Sam, for leading us. Finding your way to Jesus. That's been our theme on Sunday mornings in December and at our special Christmas services. Finding your way to Jesus. Seven messages exploring who Jesus is, what he offers, and how we can come to know him personally. And this morning we're finishing this a little series. Uh, we've been with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. We've been with Isaiah and God's old covenant people in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we've been with uh, Mary in uh, Luke chapter 1 and Joseph in uh, Matthew chapter 1. We've been with the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and uh, with the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. And this morning uh, we're turning to the passage that we've just read together at the beginning of John's Gospel. John chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14. John 1, the first of 14 verses where John unfolds the great mystery of the incarnation. Our theme from this passage this morning is who's that lying in the manger? Who's that lying in the manger? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, we're told that Mary brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger. Luke 2 verse 12, uh, the shepherds are told by the angels, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And Luke 2 verse 16, we're told that the shepherds found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. But who is this babe lying in the manger? Who is this baby of Bethlehem who would become the child of Nazareth, the man of Galilee, and the Christ of Calvary? Who is this Jesus? And our passage this morning from the beginning of John 1 highlights for us Three big truths about the baby lying in the manger. Who's that lying in the manger? Number one, God from eternity. Number two, promised through history. And number three, clothed in humanity. Number one, who's that lying in the manger? God from eternity. The beginning of John 1 is reminiscent of the beginning of Genesis 1. Genesis, uh, the first book of the Bible, begins famously, In the beginning, God created the heavens and uh, the earth. And here in the New Testament, John begins his gospel like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. John here takes us back to the beginning. Back to creation, and before creation. All the way back into eternity. 
And he tells us verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. A statement of three parts. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Or we might put them the other way around. The word was God. And the word was with God. And the word was in the beginning. What does each part of this three part statement have to teach us? The word was God. That speaks of divinity. The word was with God. That speaks of trinity. That though the word was God, there was more to God than just the word. The word, the son, is the second person of the Godhead. The second person of the trinity. But our God is one God in three persons, three persons in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this phrase, the word was with God, it speaks to us of Trinity, of the Son being with the Father and uh, with the Holy Spirit. And also, the word was in the beginning. And if the word was with God speaks to the word was God speaks of divinity and the word was with God speaks of trinity then the word being in the beginning speaks of eternity that in the beginning before anyone or anything was created the word was there divinity trinity eternity The word here is a reference to the eternal Son of God. And Jesus, as we see at the end of our passage in verse 14, is the Word become flesh. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of truth and grace. Jesus, the Word become flesh, is none other than, than the eternal Son of God. His eternity is emphasized again in verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. As we've sung more than once over recent weeks in one of our best known and most loved Christmas carols, O come all ye faithful, he is the one who is begotten, not created. He is the one who is creator, not creature. Look at verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Or into verse 4. In him was life. He is the eternal Son of God. He is the one who has life, for he is eternal. He is the one who gives life, physical life, to each and every one of us. And he is the one who offers life, Spiritual life, eternal life, when we turn from our sin and when we trust in him. John wants us to be in no doubt 
that the baby lying in the manger is like no other baby before or since. The baby in the manger is the eternal son of God. And that couldn't be a bigger deal. Who's that lying in the manger? God from eternity. Who's that lying in the manger? Number two, promised through history. It's striking that as our passage unfolds, John makes his way to Jesus via John the Baptist. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John, the author of the gospel, John the disciple, John the apostle, is not writing here about himself, but he's writing about another John, the John we know as John the Baptist. And so we might ask, who was a John the Baptist? Well, how does John the Apostle here describe him? He describes him as a witness of the light, verse 7. That he himself wasn't the light, verse 8. But that the light was coming, verse 9. John the Baptist has sometimes been described as the last of the prophets. And the Old Testament prophets spoke much of light. None more famously than Isaiah. In a passage that we've read a number of times over recent weeks, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them a light has shined. John is a witness of the light. And by the light here, as in Isaiah 9 and all the way through the Old Testament, is meant the Messiah, the one who would be the light of the world. And light is a theme of John's gospel. He's there by verse 4 of our uh, first chapter. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And light is a theme that runs all the way through uh, John's gospel. And uh, stands perhaps most, shines most brightly uh, in the words of Jesus recorded by John in chapter 8 and verse 12. Where Jesus says one of his famous I am sayings. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. But have the light of life. I am the light of the world says Jesus. But the point we're making here is that this light had been promised all the way from Genesis 3, where we were a few Sunday mornings ago, the chapter which records man's fall into sin, but in the very same chapter, you remember, God begins to promise a Messiah that one would come to be the saviour of all who trust in him. This light is promised all the way from Genesis 3 in the very beginning Throughout the Old Testament, all the way to John the Baptist, the last of these prophets, ushering in the coming of the Messiah. This light promised through history. Promised to a people in darkness. 
The darkness of sin and uh, unbelief. That darkness in which we are all to be found by nature. That darkness not just in which we are to be found, but which is to be found uh, within us. In every one of our hearts. Our sin against God. And our unbelief in uh, his word. But promised to a people in darkness is the coming of the light. One who would dispel our darkness. He would come from God that we could go to God. He would open the way back to God from the dark paths of sin. He would experience our darkness that we could experience his light. I heard someone say this week and it struck me. The manger is how God comes to us. The cross is how we come to God. And there needed to be a manger in order that there could be a cross. So the manger is how God comes to us. The cross is how we come to God. And this babe lying in the manger is the light. Come to dispel the darkness. To do so by his life lived for us. To do so especially by his death. Died in our place. As there upon the cross it was midnight at midday. And Christ experienced our darkness. So that we could experience his light. And then by his resurrection, as he rose from the dead, triumphant, victorious, having conquered sin, having conquered death, having conquered the darkness. He experiences our darkness so that we can experience his light. He comes from God to the manger that we might go to God by the way of the cross. But all of this John is telling us is promised through history. Who's that lying in the manger? God from eternity. Promised through history. Who's that lying in the manger? Number three. Clothed in humanity. This God from eternity. Who is promised through history. Is now clothed in humanity. Our passage this morning concludes with one of the most beautiful statements in all of Holy Scripture. This verse 14, the verse that's on the screen this morning. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. We're surveying something of the whole passage this morning. We're not zooming in on this verse. So there are depths and heights that we will leave altogether untouched. But just as we we think about this seed thought of the word becoming flesh. What can we learn from this or be reminded of again this morning? The word becoming flesh. Clothed in humanity. It means he is, this babe lying in the manger is so similar to us. He shares our humanity. He identifies 
with us. He feels our infirmities. He is one who can relate to us and one to whom we can relate. He is so similar to us. And yet at the very same time and without any fear of contradiction, this one lying in the manger who is so similar to us is also so different from us. For this one lying in the manger is without sin. This one lying in the manger is perfectly holy. This one lying in the manger, the word become flesh is man as he was meant to be. He is the perfect man. He is the standout man. He is the exemplary man. So similar to us. So different from us. This one lying in the manger is so necessary for us. His life, that he would succeed where we have failed. His death, that he would take our place. That he would pay our penalty. That he would bear our punishment. His resurrection, that he would triumph over sin and death and judgment and hell and share his victory with us. So necessary for us. This one who has come to save. This one who has come to bless. Clothed in humanity. He's so similar to us. He's so different from us. He's so necessary for us. And this... He's so close by us. We've heard about those who were there at the manger, Mary and Joseph. Those who visited the baby Jesus there in the stable like the shepherds. Others who came along later to where Jesus was like the wise men. And there they saw this God from eternity, promised through history, clothed in humanity, and they could reach out and touch him. We had a little baby in church this morning. I think she's gone out to crash, but it's, it's always lovely to see a little baby, isn't it, in church. You always know when there's a little baby in church because you, you see a, a crowd of ladies and you wonder what they're doing. And you know there must be a baby somewhere in the middle of the crowd. But a little baby. Oh, we all love little babies, don't we? And you can reach out and you can take hold of their hand, perhaps. And, and you can hold them. And, and here we have God from eternity. Promised through history. Clothed in humanity. And Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and these others. They can, they can reach out and they can, they can touch him. And friends, by faith, so can we, so can I, and so can you. Yes, he is not here in a pram this morning. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. But because once he was in the manger, he is still close by us. He is only a prayer away. We can reach out and we can touch him by faith. And we can lay hold upon the Savior of the world. God from eternity, promised through history, clothed in humanity, 
lying in the manger. But we're not quite done with our passage just yet. We've had the three points. Who's that lying in the manger? God from eternity, promised through history, clothed in humanity. But in these final minutes, I want you to notice with me that our passage sets before us two challenges and an encouragement. Two challenges and an encouragement. The challenges are in verse 5 and verse 10. Look first at verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That was true then, 2,000 years ago. The Messiah was born into this world, and he was largely unnoticed and ignored. The light shone in the darkness. And yet the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness failed to get or to appreciate what was going on. And sadly as it was 2,000 years ago, very often that's how it still is today. Through the preaching of the gospel, the light still shines in the darkness. And yet time and again the darkness does not comprehend it. The best news this world will ever hear is proclaimed throughout the world. And yet many don't notice. Many choose to ignore. Many count it of little or of no value. God's word challenges you, my friend, this morning. The light shining in the darkness. Oh, that you would comprehend it. Oh, that you would understand it. Oh, that you would get it. Oh, that you would see just who this is lying in the manger. The savior of the world. The one you need to be. Your very own savior. But this passage doesn't just give us one challenge. It gives us two. Dropping down from verse 5 to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Messiah came into this world, this very world, which he himself had created with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the beginning, and the world did not know him. Carries with it the sense of the world did not recognize him. Thought this baby in the manger was just any old baby in a manger, no offense to other babies didn't realize that this was the baby of babies, the men of men, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the only savior of mankind. So again, there's a challenge for you, my friend, this morning. How do you esteem this baby lying in the manger? Do you recognize him for who he is? Not just a cute baby lying in a peculiar place, In a manger, in a stable. Not even just a a, a good man or, or a great teacher. But the son of God, the savior of the world. God from eternity, promised through history, clothed in humanity for me and for you and for our salvation. Two challenges, but also an encouragement. 
Because God's word, though often it challenges us, it never leaves us without encouragement. Encouragement to seek God and encouragement to find salvation. And here it is in verses 11, 12 and 13. He came to his own, yes, and his own did not receive him. But this, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. In other words, not children in the ordinary way, nor of the will of man, but but of God. Born of the Spirit, washed in his blood. There were many who did not receive him, but there were those who did. And there are many who will not receive him, but there are those who will. Oh, that you would not be among those who reject this Savior, rejecting him, rejecting the great salvation that he offers. But oh, that you, like me, though you might be nothing and nobody, would recognize this one lying in the manger for who he is. The question you see this morning It's not just who's that lying in the manger. Yes, God from eternity. Yes, promised through history. Yes, clothed in humanity. But the question is, will you receive him? Will you receive this Messiah child? This baby of Bethlehem. This child of Nazareth. This man of Galilee. This Christ of Calvary. To be your Savior. And your Lord. Will you turn from yourself and from anyone and anything that would keep you back from following Jesus? And would you turn to him, knowing that in him there is salvation? Knowing that through him you can be reconciled to God? Knowing that by him you can be saved? Not just for time, but for eternity. Not just for now, but forever. Who's that lying in the manger? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and on bended knee, trust in him. God from eternity, promised through history, clothed in humanity. The one who is able and willing to save you. The one who can make you new from the inside.